1: Live Nation presents Concert Week Now through May 14th Get $25 tickets To over 5,000 shows That's up to 75% off A summer full Of your favorite artists Like 21 Savage Alanis Morissette Cage the Elephant Celeste Barber Dirk Spentley Fade Hootie and the Blowfish Janet Jackson Kids Bob Kids Megan Trainor Bistle Puma Sarah McLaughlin
3: A listener note, this story contains adult language and some graphic descriptions of violence. Previously on Caruth.
4: That's how she got the name Sharika
5: from Sunny and Cher. She always thought Charlotte was a small place and um, I'm going to get out of here one day. I'm going to go and do the things that I want to do. She knew everybody was going to know who she is. She knew that people were gonna know her name. So,
4: we've got Ruth that can fly.
6: And you we've saw got... the talent, and you like, oh, this guy gonna be good.
5: That is caught into the end zone, touchdown, Ray Karouf.
4: She was pretty smitten with Ray Karouf when she met him.
5: They portray all the women in his life as if he was some big player running through women and whatnot. She had
4: taken about 10 pregnancy tests, and she and Ray had gone to the doctor together to take another one to make sure and she's telling me I'm gonna be a grandma.
3: Just west of downtown Raleigh, North Carolina's massive central prison sits on 29 acres of land, surrounded by double rows of razor wire. My visit here was more than six months in the making. Ray Carruth declined all my requests to sit down for an on-the-record interview for this project, but another crucial player in this drama said yes, Van Brett Watkins. He didn't stand up. I stood up for mine. I said I did it because he made me do it. North Carolina's Department of Corrections says it takes about a week to schedule visits with most inmates at the maximum security prison. Then again, offender number 0681840 is not most inmates. Watkins is, by all accounts, a murderer. By his own account, and revelations that have never been published before, he is a prolific one. He's the sort of man who once set another inmate on fire for insulting his family.
6: Some kid was talking about my mother and grandmother and sister calling her all kinds of bitches and stuff. So the next morning, I set him on
3: fire. Watkins' record lists more than 50 infractions since he's been locked up ranging from using profanity to assaulting the staff with a weapon. At Central, he's hardly alone in that. A prison supervisor is still in the hospital after he was attacked and stabbed at Central Prison. Exactly one week after my three-hour interview with Watkins, a prison employee was beaten and repeatedly stabbed by inmates. Central agreed to let me bring in a pocket-sized voice recorder, the kind you might buy at a convenience store. Sitting there in a concrete room... Looking at Watkins through two panes of bulletproof glass and talking to him through a tiny grate at the bottom of that glass offers exactly the sort of audio quality you'd expect. But just being there at all was important to me. In 19 years of covering this story, it was the first time I had ever been face to face with the man who shot Sharika Adams. From the Charlotte Observer and McClatchy Studios, this is Caruth. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Chapter Two, The Hitman Speaks. By the summer of 1999, Sharika was telling everyone she was pregnant and trying not to admit her relationship with Caruth was in trouble.
5: She was really, really disappointed in Ray's reaction to her pregnancy. She
3: this said, is Valerie Brooks, one of Sharika's closest friends.
5: Believe it or not, Scott, I told her, I said, just be careful, because she did say from time to time he had a temper, but she thought in her mind, I can handle him, and she said, he's a want-to-be bad guy. She said, I don't understand why I thought maybe he would be happy.
3: There are many theories as to why he wasn't. Caruth's NFL career had stalled, and his future with the Panthers was uncertain. He was also already paying $3,000 a month in child support for a son he barely saw. Beyond that, he and Sharika weren't an exclusive couple, not even close. Caruth considered their relationship one based mostly on, quote, carnal indulgences.
4: Now, what he says differs from what Sharika wrote in her diary and what she told me.
3: This is Sandra Adams, Sharika's mother.
4: From what she told me is that he was talking about being a family, getting married, and he definitely wanted to be there you know, for the birth of his son because he missed his first son's birth. So therefore he decided to go on to Lama's class with her.
3: And, what we do know is that Sharika was determined to have their baby as a single mother like her mother was if it came to that. She stopped dancing at a Charlotte strip club. She had worked off and on as a nanny and a babysitter for years, and Sandra recognized her own maternal instincts in her daughter.
4: I remember us taking this trip down to the Arboretum. They were selling this kit where you place it on the mom's stomach and you could play music to the baby. So she had said, well, the baby needs to listen to Beethoven. So he would have a certain disposition. And then she could read into this microphone and it would go into the base. So she was reading Bible Did stories.
3: She Did she buy
4: what you're oh yeah. She bought this and had it hooked up. Oh. She was actually reading the baby books. Some people just buy them.
3: The name Sharika picked out harkened back to her own childhood and to her early years being raised by her grandparents. Her grandmother's favorite soap opera had been The Young and the Restless.
4: My mom would say she had to watch her story. So for two or three hours every day, they were watching the soap operas together. And the one particular one that my mom liked best, there was uh, Mr. Chancellor. When she was deciding for a name for her son, she knew it was either going to be Chancellor or Chandler. But then she thought Chancellor just sounded more powerful. And so she...
3: Carruth began to- appearing by Sharika's side in public more often, even if he didn't always make the best impression. He later said he didn't even know Sharika's last name until they signed in at that Lama's class.
5: I, I would tell you, I didn't like him. I did not like him. Um, Let me rephrase that. I did not like the way he treated her.
3: Here's Brooks again.
5: Of course, I could tell he was a playboy, a player. What I imagined was, again, the philandering forever. I didn't think that it would ever stop. Anytime he offered positivity, which was very rare, she would get very excited. She said he's really smart, and she even said that he was kind of nerdy, and she didn't understand his quest to be a bad boy. But many times you cannot blame the heart for where the heart goes.
3: Some of Peruth's NFL teammates remember him as a loner. But he had made friends outside the team, friends that most of the Panthers didn't know about. One of those friends was Michael Eugene Kennedy.
7: Local
2: investigators say a recent drug bust illustrates the changing world of illegal drugs and how...
3: They called Kennedy little man on the streets of Charlotte and he had a deep understanding of the city's dark side.
0: Addictive illegal drugs are coming to North Carolina. Investigators raided a Southwest Charlotte storage unit. They found drugs, body armor-
3: Kennedy was 23 years old at the time, and he made most of his money selling crack cocaine. In February 1999, Kennedy ran into Carruth at a tire shop that sold rims. He complimented the rims on Carruth's car, and a friendship blossomed.
8: I met him in January and February at um, this place called a car store to sell, like, accessories for your cars.
3: This is Michael Kennedy. He wouldn't speak to me for this project, but here he is speaking to police in
8: 1999. We wasn't ever, like, like, close friends. We just, like, talked to him once in a while and stuff.
3: Kennedy's best friend was an 18-year-old named Stanley Boss Abraham. The two had once been next-door neighbors, and Abraham looked up to Kennedy like a big brother.
9: They, and they did rap music together, and roots of poetry also that I don't know that they said them rap music, but they were doing a lot of it as rap music.
3: I recently spoke with Abraham by phone, but he declined to be interviewed for this project. So this is Jim Gronquist, a veteran criminal defense lawyer who would later
9: represent Abraham. And that's how Michael Kennedy got to know a little bit about Ray. They were hoping to get some funding from Ray to do a tape or a record. Abraham wouldn't meet Caruth
3: until the night Sharika was shot, and he had barely said hello to Watkins before. Watkins, who was then 39 years old, was familiar with the U.S. prison system. He had already done time in New York for crimes like gun possession, assault, and threatening to kill various people, though he told me, for the first time publicly, that authorities still don't know the true extent of his murderous past or about the people he's crippled. You mentioned you had killed somebody before. Had you killed more than one person? It's a total of five, and not crippled two. Most of these were paid hits, Watkins told me, contracted by women who had either been beaten by or were tired of the men they had wanted killed. And that was all in New York? New York, Florida, Miami, Atlanta, and North Carolina.
6: And the first four. Got away every time.
3: In the summer of 1999, Watkins was the head of security for a Charlotte Strip club, and at 6 foot three and 286 pounds, an occasional construction worker and bodyguard. He mostly went by the nickname New York," a reference to his Brooklyn birthplace and also an alias for a man who often solved problems with violence. He was just the sort of man Caruth was allegedly looking for. The two first met by chance in 1999 at a strip club. Watkins was watching the door. Carruth was watching the stage. So you met him at the strip club the first time? Right, but okay. I didn't pay no attention to him. I said. But when I'm at the strip club, I'm more or less
6: watching for any danger or since I want to run for murder, the police. Mm-hmm. Okay, so as a matter of, I wasn't impressed with him as a little guy. I said, okay, we football player.
3: Watkins did need money though. By June 1999, Watkins had started washing and detailing Carruth's red Mercedes CLK and his white Ford Expedition. For a professional athlete, Carruth was building a questionable network of friends, among them a drug dealer and a man already convicted of five felonies. It was a far cry from his protected childhood where he lived under his mother's watchful eye. Watkins is now 58. As we sat in that Spartan visitation room at Central Prison, the hitman rocked back and forth, trying to get comfortable. He suffers from hip disease that forces him to walk with a cane. I was struck by how far he had veered from a path he says began with the Cub Scouts and shoveling snow for his elderly neighbors in Brooklyn.
6: I was a Cub Scout, and I had a little pin that I had to turn every time I did a good deed. So I started off good in life. I wasn't born like that. My mother didn't embrace me like this because I started
3: off doing X1. The and then I started doing bad things for After a few weeks of doing odd jobs for Caruth, Watkins says he got a phone call from the football player. Caruth asked to meet him in a nearby U-Haul parking lot. Caruth had a very different type of job to discuss.
6: So you said how much would it take to meet up a girl and make her boy a baby? I said, I don't need little no, girl, I killed him. how much would you charge?
3: The assignment would pay $3,000 up front and another $3,000 on completion, though Caruth could only get $300 on the spot.
6: So he went to the ATM machine and he clicked his limit, I think, $300. And he said, give me this. He gave me this and he said, I'll call you Saturday. We'll go to the bank and get the rest.
3: After that meeting, Watkins says, he stalked Sharika on and off for months. He got to know her black BMW with the tinted windows. He found out where she lived and where she parked her car. Still, Watkins didn't do the job. He told me he did feel some hesitation about hurting a woman, but in the sadistic calculus of this transaction, he was mostly trying to figure out how to get away once he had hurt Sharika but she and Carruth were still locked in their tumultuous relationship. Sharika kept insisting she was going to have his baby, and Watkins says Carruth grew impatient.
6: So he called in five months over 150 times. Whoa. And he gave me a bunch of different scenarios, and when he would call me, he said, do it in the ball's class, When i take it in. So I said, no, that doesn't sound right. It don't feel right. I can tell you if you're full of or not, I can tell you if you're
3: alive or not. I wasn't feeling Watkins would later testify that Caruth made other grim proposals too. In one he suggested that he take Sharika out to dinner and park near a dumpster behind the restaurant. Watkins, he said, could wait nearby and attack her there.
4: During this time she was doing a lot of journaling.
3: Here's Sandra again.
4: He invited her back out. She talks about going to this um, restaurant and him parking near a dumpster, and going into the restaurant and leaving her out there for a long period of time, Van Brett Watkins was supposed to come up and get her from the van and beat her up and make her lose the baby. Well then that didn't happen, so during one of these next times, Ray came to the house to stay and he retrieved a key from Sharika and gave it to Van Brett Watkins. And he was supposed to go into the home and knock her down the steps or whatever. And he didn't do that either.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.
2: By late summer
3: of 1999, Caruth joined the Panthers' training camp in Spartanburg, South Carolina. But his mind was often elsewhere. Always sensitive to criticism, he was unclear where he fit in on the team after barely playing the previous season due to injury. And he told others that some teammates made fun of his predicament with Sharika. I mean, he
8: talked about it like every once in a while and we've seen each other, he'll say something about it. Like, she's still pregnant, and people on the team saying
3: bad stuff. This is Kennedy again. Tell me, tell me about that. In this recording, made two weeks after Sharika was shot, he's being interviewed by Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer Tony Rice. The interview was key in helping detectives understand what happened that night.
8: Yeah, you know, people on the team were saying that, that she was a hoe, and he can't be having no baby by no strip or stuff like that.
6: So the dummy is less a strip, but... No, come on, and he got a break
3: In the face of mockery, Caruth's desperation metastasized into vengeance. He's
6: wanted to aborted. He needs Sharika killed.
3: By November 15, 1999, Sharika Adams was 30 weeks pregnant. As Caruth was plotting her death, it seems he found it most advantageous to get closer to her.
4: This November 15th was going to be their first real date as a couple again, is what she wrote in her diary. And she was ecstatic about going on this date with him. While she was pregnant, I had seen her really every day since Mother's Day, except that day. Because she she's like, Mom. I've got to go and get ready. I've got to get my outfit just right. We're going on a real date. We're getting back together. And so she was so excited about doing that. And I thought...
3: Caruth had planned to take Sharika that night to a Denzel Washington, Angelina Jolie film called The Bone Collector. I hear
1: something. I, I hear something.
3: A movie about a serial killer playing at the Regal Cinemas in South Charlotte. Watkins and Kennedy would later testify that in the matter of a few hours before the movie began, Carruth hatched a new plot. November the 15th. It was a Monday.
8: And we'll just kind of start from there and tell us what happened. I want you to be honest with us.
3: Okay. Okay? Here's Kennedy again.
8: Around 7 or 8, Ray Carruth had called me and uh, he asked me what was I doing. I was like, nothing. And, uh he asked me if I had a hoop or if I had a car that he could get that night. And um, I told him that I had a Maxima, and he told me to, to come over his house. Explain, so we'll all know we're on the same sheet of music, what do you know a deal to be? Um, a car that's not flashy, that doesn't stand out.
3: Okay. Kennedy and his friend Stanley Abraham drove to Caruth's house. Soon, Watkins also arrived. Abraham was a star-struck teenager at the time, and he gave himself a tour of the NFL player's home.
9: Actually, he was making phone calls to friends while the three of them were moving all around the playing outside, down the hall, and into Crew's bedroom, etc. He was sitting in the living room. Crew didn't even really know who he was.
3: This is Abraham's lawyer, Jim Gronquist.
9: And I think there was sometimes Cruz was talking to Van Brent Watkins and sometimes to Michael and the two of them together. And Stanley was just oblivious to this whole thing because he's playing the. I'm in this famous guy's house. <laughs> Calling friends, just letting them letting know that he's hanging out in, in a real cool dude's house and was real happy about
3: it. That- Sharika would soon be arriving at Caruth's house for their date, and a hasty plan took shape.
9: You and Ray come outside? Yeah, Ray called okay. me
8: outside.
3: All
8: right. so I was asking him, you know, what do you need to call for? And uh, he asked me, do I know where he can get a gun at? And at that time I told him, yes, I knew a guy that was selling a thirty eight and he was selling it for like a hundred dollars. I was like, Why why you wanted a gun? And he was like wanting to um get Sharika because she was pregnant and he didn't wanna pay no um five thousand or some odd dollars a month in child support. He said that um that he had a friend that was gonna do it. And um I told him that I didn't wanna do it. I was like, I don't wanna, you know. I don't have no partner. Say, Cause, I said, because if anything can happen, I could get killed anything. And he was like, something still can happen to you regardless because you know about it.
3: Kennedy said Caruth gave him five crisp $20 bills and told him to go buy the gun during the time Caruth was at the movies with Sharika. After that, he should wait for Carruth's call. It wasn't exactly a tidy scheme. And when Sharika arrived at Caruth's house sometime around 9 p.m., everything seemed off.
4: So... She called me on the phone and said, Mom, you know, I don't even know why I'm here because he's got all these people in the house. And he's been down there secretly on the phone, and I think he's talking to another woman. So I'm telling her, I said, Well, you have to go to work tomorrow. So you just tell him you're not going to go to the movie. And I could hear him in the background saying, No, 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 we're getting ready to go right now. And uh, so... At that point, that's where she decided. She made her decision that she was going to go ahead and stay and go on with him. And um, that, that was the last conversation I had with her.
3: The couple left for the movie in Carruth's car. The three other men had left the house already, Kennedy driving his Maxima with Abraham in the front passenger seat. Watkins sat in the back, behind Abraham. Only later would the men in the front seat learn Watkins' real name. He was using his dead brother's name, William, as an alias. But that night they just called him New York, when they said anything at all. And mostly they didn't.
9: Kennedy he said, I need you to come with me where I'm going. Here's Abraham's lawyer again. And uh, he reluctantly agreed to do that. But knew once he got in the car, once he met Dan Brett Watkins, he knew he was in for a a lot of trouble. The plan was that after the
3: movie, Caruth would bring Sharika back to his house to pick up her car, and then he would create an excuse to invite himself over to her place for the night.
6: He said, "I'm gonna tell her I want to go to her house and stay, and then she's gonna be following." Her.
3: Kennedy drove the men to meet his contact, and there he bought a Charter Arms 38 Special. The chamber held five bullets. And for
8: hundred dollars, what did you get? A 38. What else? and some bullets, and it was a gun lock
3: on
8: the gun. Okay. And the $100 you paid him, was that the same 100 Ray gave you? Yes. 520s? Yes. Okay.
3: I held that gun not long ago. It resides in a plastic bag in an evidence box in a Charlotte courthouse. It's silver, with a black handle, and it's small, with a two-inch snub nose. Although rusty and extremely light, the 38 Special still feels dangerous. The gun wasn't loaded, of course. Under official supervision, I pulled the trigger to see if it still worked. The gun responded with a menacing click.
0: Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products.
8: By that time, we went to the um, shopping center parking lot,
2: mm-hmm.
8: and um, William told me
3: to pull beside a sewer. Kennedy pulled up outside a Chick-fil-A in the nearby Stonecrest Shopping Center.
8: And he dumped bullets, and um, I think the boss that the bullets was in, he threw them in the sewer.
3: Why did he do that? I
8: don't know. I guess he didn't need them all. Do you know how many he kept? No.
3: Okay. While the couple watched the movie, Kennedy, Abraham, and Watkins drove aimlessly around South Charlotte, stopping at a supermarket, and then at a gas station, so Watkins could buy a beer. At that point, only two of the three men understood what was about to unfold.
6: We went to a supermarket, and we drove around some the more. Then we went to a gas station, I got a can of beer. Mm. So I drank a beer, I wasn't high
3: When Watkins went in to buy his beer, Kennedy told his best friend about the plan.
8: I told Stanley that um, they Ray want me to um, follow him when he left the movies, and he wanted the guy that was riding with us to shoot the girl that he had pregnant. What did Stanley say when you tell him that? He was like, take me home. Uh, he was like, why you got me? And I was like, just by that time, William was coming back out of the store, and I was just so scared. I didn't, I didn't say nothing
3: else. Caruth called Kennedy at 11.51 p.m. to say the movie had ended. He and Sharika drove back to his house to retrieve her car.
4: They went in one together in the movie theater and went back to his home. So that's where the plot changed that now I'm going to stay at your house.
3: Here's Sandra again.
4: Ray realized that he had an uh, appointment. He had injured his leg or something, so he had a therapy appointment. It was going to be easier to make the appointment from her house. So we'll just drive your car back and my car instead of riding together. Yeah. At
3: 1219 a.m. on November 16th, Caruth called Kennedy again to say they were leaving his house and to get ready. Watkins snapped on a pair of surgical gloves he had carried with him. Caruth was driving alone in his white Ford Expedition. Sharika followed in her black BMW. Michael Kennedy pulled behind Sharika in his gold Nissan Maxima. Stanley Abraham alongside him in the passenger seat, with Van Brett Watkins in the back seat behind Abraham. Carruth pulled onto Ray Road. He passed the enormous, crown-shaped Calvary Church, locally known as the Big Pink Church, at the intersection of Highway 51. Ray Road narrowed to two lanes after that. It was dark and mostly secluded. Occasional lights came from housing developments, but those were often blocked by the dozens of pine trees lining the road.
8: When they went over 51, and they went down in a dip on Ray Road, I um, pulled behind Sarika's car. Ray stopped.
6: He's in front, she's in back. Then there's no stop sign, where he stopped. He just stopped.
8: And William was like, pull up beside him. And then
6: Michael Kennedy went to her left, put the middle on the right hand back, approximately three
8: feet away. Both cars, did they come to a complete stop? Yes.
5: And y'all pulled beside them? Yes. There's no lights. Black filled
6: up with black tinted windows. So I said shoot through the lower part of the
8: window. How many times did William you fire this gun? Four or five times. Ram, ram, ramp, and it's
6: for the window. And then I listen with everybody paused. I look at Ray roof, I'm looking at the two in the car, and I'm listening to her for the window door, so I could tell she was down.
3: And she was gurgling, drowning on her blood. Where did Ray's car go?
6: Ray was looking in the mirror, and he smiled. Oh
3: Carruth and his defenders dispute much of what you've just heard, or at least the motivations behind it.
7: Well, you know, I have never believed that he hired Van Brett Watkins or Michael Kennedy uh, to harm Sharika in any way. I mean, I don't know that he was innocent in the sense that he never did anything wrong, but he, he hadn't hired these people to kill Sharika Adams.
3: This is David Rudolph, who would later become Caruth's lead defense attorney. Carruth authorized Rudolph to speak to us on his behalf, and the lawyer is the only person I interviewed to have actually been face-to-face with Carruth in the past few weeks. I did go see him,
7: yeah. Uh, You know, we talked about uh, the case and about uh, what had actually happened. Uh, You know, he's fine with me talking with you. Carruth, through Rudolph, acknowledged for
3: this project that he was there in the moments just before Sharika was shot. Looking in his rearview mirror... Caruth saw Kennedy's car, with Watkins in the back seat, pull up beside Sharika's. And then Carruth, scared that Watkins was coming for him, took off. He didn't call for help then or later. Caruth fled, leaving Sharika and his unborn son at Watkins' mercy. For nearly two decades, Carruth's defenders argued that he was not present for the shooting or the lead-up to it.
0: Ray, did you conspire to murder Sharika Adams and your unborn son?
3: No, I did not as Carruth himself did during this 2001 interview with CNN SI, the only in-depth interview Carruth has ever done about the events of that night. I was not there. I didn't see the shooting. I didn't hear any shots. I can't testify to anything that
7: happened to Sharika on railroad. Now that's changed.
3: But Rudolph told me Carruth's presence on Ray Road that night had nothing to do with a contract killing.
7: There was no, quote, planning for this until the very day that it all happened. And that's just... That's just not how a murder-for-hire takes place. I mean, they even had to go and get a gun that day. Uh, so uh, the whole thing just didn't make sense to me. Rudolph and his client maintained that
3: in 1999, Caruth had agreed to finance a major interstate drug shipment from Georgia. Rudolph told me the shooting of Sharika Adams and attempted murder of Caruth's unborn son was violent retribution. The NFL player claims he backed out of his promise to pay tens of thousands of dollars for a
7: truckload of marijuana Watkins had delivered from Atlanta. What I believe happened uh, and what uh, Ray clearly has told me from day one uh, is that he agreed to fund a marijuana deal uh, that Van Brett Watkins brought up a load of marijuana from Atlanta on the front, as they say. In other words, Van Brett Watkins was a middleman, sort of. So he got a load of marijuana that was in the trunk of his car. He brought it up to Charlotte and Ray was supposed to provide the money to him to pay for that marijuana. And he would then sell it and Ray would get some profit. Uh, And Michael Kennedy was a part of that. Uh, And uh, on the day that it happened, Van Brett Watkins showed up with the load of marijuana and Ray backed out. You know I think there were probably a lot of reasons for that not the least of which was that he was a professional football player and he uh, realized that what he was doing uh, presumably to do a favor for Van Brett Watkins because he certainly didn't need the money uh, was just stupid and so he backed out and now here's Van Brett Watkins in Charlotte, with a load of marijuana that he hasn't paid for, that he can't pay for, and they had a huge argument uh, there at Ray's house.
3: Rudolph agreed in this interview, which again was fully authorized by Caruth, that Sharika and Caruth went to the movies that November night. The attorney also agreed that Kennedy, Abraham, and Watkins drove around town during that time, and that Caruth called Kennedy when the movie was over. But, Rudolph says,
7: the call was for a different reason. Van Brett Watkins, and you've seen him, uh, he's a scary guy uh, and a very unstable guy. And he was threatening uh, Ray. Uh, And so uh, Ray ended up going to the movies with Sharika. He was very worried about what Van Brett Watkins was going to do because Van Brett knew where he lived. Uh, And so he and Sharika went to the movies. And he called Kennedy at some point to ask Kennedy, what's going on with uh, Van Brett? You know, is, is, is he calmed down? <laughs> Kennedy was like, no, he's not calmed down at all. Uh, he is hot. When you really think about it, why would, it makes a lot more sense if he's calling Kennedy to check on Watkins than to call Kennedy to say, okay, we're on. I mean, if, if the hit is on, then they just follow him out of the movie theater.
3: The couple returned to Caruth's home and picked up Sharika's car, though Rudolph disputes that change of plans was part of a criminal conspiracy. Instead, he told me, Watkins' anger and instability made Caruth fear for their safety, and he thought it best for them to sleep elsewhere that night.
7: You know, at that point, uh, the plan sort of changed in terms of where they were going to go. Ray was in front of Sharika driving. Sharika was behind him. And I guess Van Brett Watkins had been driving around with Kennedy looking for... Because he knew that they were going to the movies. Um, and Kennedy knew they were going to the movies. So he was driving around looking for Ray's vehicle. Soon, everyone
3: agrees, Kennedy's Maxima caught up with Caruth and Sharika on Ray Road. But Rudolph insists that Watkins' act of violence does not implicate Caruth
7: in a murder plot. At some point on Ray Road... Ray saw Van Brett Watkins pull out and um, what he says, uh, and this is sort of new information I guess, uh, is he panicked. And when he saw Van Brett Watkins pull out and pull up next to Sharika, he took off. uh, Because he was afraid that Van Brett Watkins was coming to get him. Instead, Van Brett Watson shoots Sharika, uh, and then Ray suddenly finds himself in a situation where, you know, he's he's been there, he he left, uh, you know, and uh, what's he going to do? I mean, he knows these guys, and so he's sort of panicked for the next few days. Um, Rudolph
3: told me that Caruth had bad associates that had made dumb mistakes that had fled the scene of what was about to be a violent crime and never called 911 to report it. It sounded to me like this alternate theory boiled down to eight words. Carruth was no killer.
7: He was a coward. So that's the truth as far as I know and as far as Ray has told me. It makes perfect sense to me about what happened. Ray doesn't make excuses for what he did in terms of Uh, you know, dealing with Van Brett Watkins. Uh, Kennedy was a little bit sort of a small-time drug dealer at the time. And he doesn't make excuses for hanging out with the wrong people. You know, what he is adamant about is that he never stopped his car. Quite the reverse. He was scared and he took off. And and he's not particularly proud of that. Uh, You know, it's not sort of a heroic thing to do. Uh, you know, big football player, you know, uh, running, uh, but that's what he did. So, I mean, I don't know that he can really explain it um, other than the fact that he was, what, 22 years old at the time? 23, something like that. Yeah. 24 maybe. Maybe, maybe 24. Like that, yeah. You know, think, think back to the stupid things you did when, when you were 24. You don't have to, and you certainly don't have to admit it. Uh, but, but I think we can all say that we did some pretty stupid things. So in that sense, he is responsible. It's just, it's not a, a murder case. It's morally responsible. Regardless of the
3: version you believe, Carruth sped off in his SUV. Watkins had fired all five bullets. He told me Abraham began laughing hysterically, and Kennedy panicked.
6: And the reason why I didn't get out the car, to check if she was alive... Michael Kennedy panicked and he started to turn around. I said, Turn around and go back and he started speaking. I said, Slow this motherfucker down before I kill you. I don't think he knew that I threw away the bullets. So you used up all your bullets. That was it. I said, It's only going to take five. I said, I don't need a case of bullets. And then when the shots went off, that's when they really got scared. But One stopped laughing and the other one started to panic. And then I said, damn, I need to kill these
3: two. Because... The one thing Abraham did stress to me during our phone call is that he strongly disputes Watkins' account of him laughing after Sharika was shot. He said he was quiet, and all he could think about at that moment was that he wished he could be anywhere else besides that car, a car Kennedy was steering through Charlotte's back roads, a car that was eerily quiet until Watkins spoke up.
8: So we we'll got to, um, to the light, the light was red, So I made a right, and then I made a left. Mm -hmm. And when I made a left, um, he told me to stop the car. And that's when I heard him throwing stuff out the car. He said, I got to get rid of this stuff.
3: This is Kennedy again.
8: The gun and the gun lock, and he had some gloves. I heard gloves he threw out the window. But I didn't see him through. I I just heard I didn't look back.
3: Watkins tried to throw the gun into a creek, but he missed. Kennedy drove him back to his truck. Where Watkins scrubbed himself down with gasoline.
6: I strip off the sweatshirt, to get rid of the backlash i in case I get stopped, and I got gasoline from my detail shop, my mobile detail shop, and I wipe myself down.
3: But he hadn't finished the job Carruth hired him to do.
5: Number one, Baker need Police Fire. Or an oh, police where are you at? At that Calvary Church. Calvary
1: Church. Uh, no. Ray Square. Community. W E S S E S. And
3: at least one person in that getaway car knew it.
8: It was the first time you realized that
3: Sharika,
1: she's not dead.
8: I didn't think she was dead that night. How come? <laughs> Cause I had to look back, I seen like her brake lights, like blink on. So I
3: didn't think she was dead then. And the miracle. Was about to begin.
5: Medic, she's been shot, she's pregnant, all I can get out of her is Wessex Square. Is that 559 Ray Road? Uh, no, 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 I'm on Ray Road, and it's immediately called Wessex Square. Okay, what's, what part of the body been shot at? I don't know. All right, man, we're gonna get the ambulance on the way to you, okay? All right, stay on the line if you can.
3: I'm Scott Fowler, and this podcast is produced by Jeff Seiner and Rachel Wise and Davin Coburn at McClatchy Studios. Find lots more about this case at charlotteobserver.com caruth. And for just $30, subscribe now to a full year of the Observer's award-winning sports coverage at charlotteobserver.com sportspass. In Chapter 3, the race to save two lives and track down the shooter.
5: Sharika was in very bad shape when she came in. She
4: had lost a lot of blood. It was the hospital on the line, and I just remember dropping to my knees and wailing.
9: She couldn't talk, but she could write. One of the questions was, do you think Ray was involved? And she just made a question mark. What we knew at the time was what Sharika said on the 911 call, but he didn't know that I knew that.
4: I immediately decided, oh my God, I gotta call Ray, because I bet he doesn't know what's happened.